So, you don't know me. I'm all right. <laughs> um, but I, I'm actually the kind of person, if you got to know me, you'd realise that I'm the kind of person that I like to, um, to plan. I like to look ahead at, at things that are in the future. Because I'm a bit of a, I'm not a prepper, okay? But I do like to be prepared. Now, um, as I was preparing for this particular uh, talk today, I completely changed what I was going to say about a week and a half ago. Because um, what I've decided to, te to, to bring to you, I felt was probably the right word for St. Thomas's. So uh, I hope that I heard the Holy Spirit right, um, is all I can say. Now, as I said, I really like to plan, I like to prepare. I basically would really like to know more than I do about the future. That's what really what it is. For instance, when my daughter, Martha, uh, who is now 18, when she was diagnosed with a serious illness uh, quite a few years ago now, what I did was I researched absolutely everything that I possibly could about the illness that Martha had. Uh, complete opposite to my husband, who basically just went... I don't need to know anything else other than what the doctor's telling me because that's how I deal with this. Um, but I am, you know, I'm online. And, and as most of you will know, um, it's really easy in those kind of situations to just focus on all of the really bad bits. And as my daughter's consultant's mug said on his desk, don't confuse my PhD with your Dr. Google search. So, but for me, <laughs> it literally just used to go like that. <laughs> For me, it's about gleaning as much information and as much knowledge as possible so that I can mentally prepare for any possible scenario and situation that is in front of me. Um, now, I always thought that that was a, a good thing because that's what, what actually my brain likes to do. Um, and a couple of years ago, I realized that although this was helping me to feel in control, and that's really what it was about, being in control. Um, it was probably more like self-preservation. And I soon began to realize that, frankly, that actually it lacked a degree of faith. Because what I was trying to do was to control that situation. Now, I do still like to know what's ahead uh, and what's coming where possible. And... Though I, I actually, I, I do believe, and I'm sure you do as well, that God through the Bible has given us prophetic words about the future. Most of the time, none of us actually know what's going to happen tomorrow or the day after or next week or next year. And I find that frustrating. I don't know whether you guys do as well. However, I've also understood that it's probably for the best that we don't know those things. Uh, because I'm pretty sure that if I had known what my future would be at times, then I would not have said yes to the many, many opportunities that I've actually been given over the years. Because many of those opportunities came with both reward and pain. I would not have put myself in the situation of heartbreak and breakdown that I, I experienced in my early 20s. I might not have opened the business with my husband and went through a very traumatic bankruptcy. So often, things don't turn out as we expect, do they? Um, I would say that the last few years have been uh, difficult for all of us, I would imagine, in one way or another. Uh, I didn't want to run CAP for 18 months. 
from my bedroom after just taking over as CEO. I didn't want to also have my children homeschooling at that time whilst also trying to run the business. Um, and on top of that, you know, even more, more recently, I didn't want to have to pull my child out of her first year of high school due to significant anxiety issues. To be honest with you, there feels like a load of I did not want to's at times. If I'd have known some of those things in advance, I would have chosen a different and an easier path. But that is not the point here, is it? Because I also know that that other path would not have delivered in me the work that God set before me. And it would have lacked faith and it would have lacked courage. And as Hebrews 11:16 tells us, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I really, really want to please God. And I'm pretty certain that you do as well. Sometimes, though, God does push us into situations that we would rather not be in. It's a bit, bit like the story of the millionaire who um, actually went and built a massive Olympic-sized swimming pool in his garden and a huge barbecue area. And then he invited all of the townsfolk to come and uh, hang out with him. And when the crowd got down to the pool and they got their bags in their hand, they looked at the pool and realized that it was full of alligators. And someone said, why on earth is your pool full of alligators? And he said, well, it's because I actually really value courage. I admire it. And if anyone is willing to jump in one end of the pool and swim all the way to the other end and get back out, I will write them a check for $1 million on the spot. As you can imagine, they all started to turn around, a bit sad that they weren't going to get a dip in the pool, and head back up to the barbecue area. And then they heard a splash. And they saw this man thrashing through the water, trying to get to the other side. And he managed to do it, and he got himself out. And the millionaire ran over to him, to him and he said, I cannot believe that. I have never, ever seen such a display of courage in my life. Here, who do you want me to write the check out to? And the man looked at the millionaire and he said, I just want to know who pushed me in. Sometimes we will face a situation that we do not want to face. I feel like I face one of those every week sometimes, and it feels like God's actually asking the impossible of me. Right now, the cost of living crisis is pressing in on us all. It's pressing in particularly on the most vulnerable Society is affected, churches are affected, society and churches are still actually recovering from COVID as well. Millions across the UK are skipping meals just to survive. There are challenges all around, of, around us and most of us are already busy and we're up against it every single day and therefore it's really, really hard to know what to do. But I can tell you that God has an incredible way of taking people who are up against it, people who are intimidated by the scale of a challenge, and when they dare to believe and see God for who he is and what he is, they can achieve an enormous amount.
But let's be real here. This is not an easy thing, is it? Susie and Lou and the team will tell you it's not always easy. For us at CAP, for Susie, for Lou, it's not easy to walk into home after home and see the desperate needs of our clients laid before us. To hear stories of people who are desperately seeking work and being rejected. It's really not easy to support someone of whom debt and poverty are actually just one of the significant giants that they are staring down. And I think it's okay to acknowledge those challenges and actually the challenges that are ahead of us. Only a few weeks ago, I heard a story from a lady whose daughter was a teacher in an affluent part of Sussex. She ended up having to take a small little boy out of the classroom and take him into another room because he was absolutely kicking off, completely out of control. And she just took him to calm him down. She held him and he sat and he just started to sob. And he looked at her and he said, I'm just so hungry. That's in our nation. He hadn't had breakfast. Yet the day before, he'd had beans on toast. And he'd left his mum at home crying at the, at the table. What is happening in the UK has been described by Martin Lewis, who's the money-saving expert, as cataclysmic. We're sitting on a financial time bomb, according to him, and I would say, yeah, don't we just know it? And I tell you what, it would be easy to despair. I can pick up the, the newspaper. Well, I don't pick up a newspaper anymore. I flick on my phone in the morning and think, how on earth are we actually going to make any real difference in this situation? It's huge and it's difficult. And the giants look bigger and bigger and bigger. But if we stay looking at the giants, we are going to end up wandering around and getting nowhere. And this is simply not the time for that. It's not the time for any of us to be doing that. So, thank you for beautifully reading Numbers 13 with all of those tricky words. I'll summarize it quickly. So, as we know, Joe, uh, Moses sent 12 spies to, explain, uh, to explore Canaan. He said, go up to the Negev, to the hill country, see what the land's like, and whether the people are strong, weak, few, or many. Uh, he asked them to go and look at the, the, the beasts of the earth and the, the, the fruit of the land. And go and get some of those nice grapes and bring them back to us. And so they went and they explored and then they returned. And they reported to Moses and the whole assembly and said, it's brilliant. Isn't it phenomenal up there? It really does flow with milk and honey. Here's the fruit. Yeah, we saw some big blokes, a bit scary, but we also saw some big grapes, very juicy. And actually... There were some that went, flipping egg, it's amazing. Well, we know that Caleb and Joshua said, we should go up, we should take possession of the land because we can certainly take possession of the land. But then there's a whole group of other people, there were 10 of them saying that we can't attack these people, they're far stronger than we are. And they spread a bad word through the Israelites and across their land and said that the land we explored devours those living in it all the people we saw are of great size. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Twelve spies, all chosen by Moses, off they toddled, came back with a mixed report. Two 
the land's amazing, let's go for it. The other 10, yes, it's great, but then they came back basically with this list of issues. Every single one of us will look at things in a slightly different way. And I, you know, I believe that that's what makes us creative and it can bring strength, but it also brings tensions, as you will, I'm sure, recognize as well. Um, and I have no idea whether those 10 spies all started out with one mind, but either way, they landed there together in the end. And it made me wonder why they really couldn't see what Caleb and Joshua could see. Well, I think that they simply weren't prepared to believe in a bigger God than the giants in front of them. They were dominated by fear and not dominated by faith. And as humans, we often look with eyes of fear and not faith. And one of the reasons is because negative attitudes tend to be contagious. They're like an infection that the enemy uses it's going to be too difficult for us. We cannot make that big change. They're far bigger than us. They're better than us. But what's interesting is that what those 10 spies actually believed was simply not true. Because 38 years later, when the Israelites eventually did take the land, do you know what they heard? They heard that the people of Jericho had been living in fear and panic for 38 years because they had heard about the plagues of Egypt and they knew what the God of the Israelites had actually done there and they were scared to death and they were ready to surrender. I can't believe that. I think that's amazing. Even though they weren't even there when those miracle, miracles actually happened in the past. You know, these people of Jericho believed in the God of the Israelites more than the people of Israel did in that moment. How bonkers is that? And it was not daring to believe in that same God who parted the waters that meant the whole nation needlessly walked around in the middle of nowhere for an entire generation. Fear and a lack of belief in our powerful God makes our problems look massive. And it makes them look impossible to conquer. But as 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, we are not given a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. And I want that spirit. I want a spirit of power and love and sound mind. And I do not want fear to dominate my decisions. I want to look at impossible situations and believe that my God, that your God is bigger than that. And if I... Actually, no, if we don't have hope and then offer this hope to others as the children of God, who else is going to do this? Who else is going to bring the words of eternal life to our broken nation if not us? But we have to dare to believe that God will do something, that he will move. We need a, def a different perspective to those around us. God is daring us to believe with eyes of faith, no matter how things look around us. And I really love the story of Corrie ten Boom. Uh, I read her book again last year, Tramp for the Lord. Uh, and it kind of, 
just totally refilled my faith bucket. Uh, Corrie and her sister Betsy, they really knew what it was like to, um, to believe and have faith in the unseen realm in spite of the circumstances around them. Uh, if you don't know, they were thrown into Ravensbrook concentration camp for hiding Jews back in the 1940s. And Thank you. <laughs> well done. So what to the rest of the world was a place where God's goodness and God's sovereignty didn't even exist. They dared to believe was a place where God could actually bring hope and love. I'm going to ask Susie to come back up and read us an extract from that book. Corrie and her sister Betsy were in the barracks in Ravensbrook, struggling against the nausea that swept over them from the reeking, filthy straw which was their bed. Suddenly, Corrie sat up, banging her head. Something had bitten her leg. Fleas, she cried. Betsy, this place is swarming with them. Here, there's another one, Corrie wailed. Betsy, how can we live in such a place? Show us. Show us how, Betsy said, matter-of-factly. It took Corrie a moment to realise that her sister was praying. Corrie, Betsy then exclaimed excitedly, he's given us the answer, and before we asked, as he always does, in the Bible this morning, where was it? Read that part again. Corrie checked to make sure no guards were nearby, and then drew from a pouch a small Bible she'd managed to smuggle into the concentration camp. It was First Thessalonians. Here it is. Comfort the frightened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Jesus Christ. That's it, Betsy interrupted. That's his answer. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's what we can do. We can start right now to thank God for every single thing about this barracks. Corrie stared at her incredulously and then around at the dark, foul-smelling room. Such as, she inquired, such as being assigned here together. Corrie bit her lip. Oh, yes. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Such as you're holding in your hands. Corrie looked down at the Bible. Yes, thank you, dear Lord. That was no inspection when we entered here. Thank you for all the women in this room here who will meet you in these pages. Yes, agreed Betsy. Thank you for the very crowding here since we're packed so close that many more will hear. She looked at her sister expectantly and prodded. Corrie, all right. Thank you for the jammed, crammed, stuffed, packed, suffocating crowds. Thank you. Betsy continued on serenely, for the fleas and for, that was too much for Corrie, she cut in on her sister, Betsy, there's no way even God can make me grateful for a flea. 
Give thanks in all circumstances, Betsy corrected. It doesn't say in pleasant circumstances. Fleas are part of this place where God has put us. So they stood between the stacks of bunks and gave thanks for fleas. Though on that occasion, Corrie thought Betsy was surely wrong. As the weeks passed, Betsy's health weakened to the point that, rather than needing to go out on her work duty each day, she was permitted to remain in the barracks and knit socks together with other seriously ill prisoners. She was a lightning-fast knitter and usually had her daily quota completed by noon. As a result, she had hours each day that she could spend moving from platform to platform, reading the Bible to fellow prisoners. She was able to do this undetected as the guards never seemed to venture far into the barracks. One evening, when Corrie arrived back at the barracks, Betsy's eyes were twinkling. You're looking extraordinarily pleased with yourself, Corrie told her. You know, we've never understood why we had so much freedom in the big room. Betsy said, referring to the part of the barracks where the sleeping platforms were. Well, I found out. This afternoon, there was confusion in my knitting group about sock sizes. So, when, so we asked the supervisor to come and settle it. But she wouldn't. She wouldn't step through the door. And neither would the guards. And do you know why? Betsy couldn't keep the triumph from her voice as she exclaimed, Because of the fleas. That's what she said. This place is crawling with fleas. Corrie's mind raced back to their first hour in the barracks. She remembered Betsy bowing her head and thanking God for creatures that Corrie could see no useful. Isn't that amazing? The book's full of those stories. I mean, I could just stand here and read the book. That would actually be even better. Um, I think Corrie's response is completely relatable, personally, and I'm sure you do. I would have looked at what was happening around me in that moment, and I would have despaired. I do not think that I could have given thanks for the fleas. But I would have missed seeing the reality of that situation. I really would. And believe it or not, and I I do dare you to believe, this kind of thing is happening around us all of the time. It's just that we often can't see what might be in that moment. And just because we can't, it doesn't mean that nothing is happening even when that thing that is happening in that moment is extremely uncomfortable. And I know uncomfortable, and I bet you do too. Giving thanks is also a matter of faith. Do I dare to believe that even though this immediate situation looks bad, do I believe that God is actually still in control? Do I dare to believe that even when the worst seems to have happened, that God can still bring good out of it? And do I dare to believe that when the canvas of my own life is unraveled and unrolled at the end, I will see the reason why and see that the bad really was used to weave an incredible picture? Or am I going to choose to be a grasshopper? Remember the spies? They were actually looking at that situation around them and they said, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them too. How did they know how they were perceived by the enemy? They didn't. And there's a word for this and it's projection. They were projecting their fears onto those 
around them. They were basically still mentally enslaved, but not by Pharaoh this time, but by an idea, a self-concept. And this is one of the main things that still keeps you and me on the sidelines at times as well. I can guarantee you that at some point in your life, someone has said something about you or to you that was not true, but you believed them. They may not even be in your life right now, but you do not need to remain enslaved. You're a child of the king, and he is asking you to unshackle yourself from those lies. And if that is you this evening, God is asking you to step out in faith and hand it over to him. And I encourage you to specifically find someone to pray with you if that's right, if that's you. So what happens when we really do dare to believe and live a faith-filled life? What difference does it actually make? Well, first of all, it shrinks your problems and it changes your perspective. It does a number of other things as well, but I had to chop those out because the talk was getting too long. So I'm just going to focus on those two things. Shrinks, faith shrinks my problems. When I see a problem from God's point of view, everything becomes more manageable. If I go to God and tell him my problem and trust that he will work it out, I can start to relax. I am not saying that this is easy. In fact, I know it's not easy. <laughs> But as I, you know, for instance, I look ahead and know that we've got a work to do to transform our debt service and know that we need, you know, significant amount of money to also do that uh, and to do it well. Um, this is, it feels too big for Paula, that does. How am I actually going to sort that out? Well, the good news is, is that I simply do not have to sort it out. It's God's problem. God knew about us needing this before I even joined CAP. He's been working in ways that I will only understand on the other side, and he will provide what we need. He knows that I don't want this for selfish gain. I believe he will provide. And I also believe that faith does change my perspective. Joshua and Caleb saw exactly the same giants, and they saw something different to the others. They didn't feel like grasshoppers. And if I'm looking at God and not just the problems around me, then faith does change my perspective. And this means that I make decisions, different decisions. I see different outcomes. I think different thoughts and it opens up doors to miracles. If you study history, every time God moves out and does a miracle, it's because someone believed Look at Mark 11, 22 to 24. Have faith in God. I mean, God is in the mountain moving business. There are another at least three points that I'm moving on. <laughs> Look them up in your Bible. <laughs> Look, 2023 is, is already a really, really difficult year for millions of people in our nation. And we have no idea exactly what is going to happen next. But I believe in a God who does know and he can see the path ahead. It is our choice as to whether we look at the land ahead and only see the giants and give a poor report or whether we actually dare to believe that we will see greater impact for his kingdom than we have ever seen before. 
Our success depends on our great God. We just need to get up, stand up, move up, pray up, speak up, and do the work that God has actually just set before us every single day and then leave the rest to him. And we need to come with humility, that we aren't the only people that God will use, but a confidence that we are the people that he's also choosing to use. I personally really do want that different spirit that Joshua and Caleb, Caleb had. In fact, we do have that spirit. We have the spirit of God within us. And as Romans 8, 11 says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in me and he lives in you. That's the kind of power that we cannot even imagine. And that's the kind of power that we need to see. If we really can believe the victory belongs to the Lord, we would wake up every single morning believing that God was going to do something special that day, even if we couldn't see it, but knowing that he would and he was. I believe that God is doing something special because at every single moment he is at work, even when we can't see it. And I do dare to believe that there is an opportunity for the gospel before us that's probably greater than we've seen in our generation yet. Before I finish, you've heard a little about the work that Susie and the team, Lou and the team, do. It is not easy work. Back at head office, what we do is missional work. And it's not, it's not a lie to say that the cost of living crisis for us and for many charities, but for us in particular, is turning into a bit of a cost of giving crisis. Now, I believe that God can and will make a difference, but I also believe that he uses us to be a part of that plan. And giving time, resource, and financially is, are some of the ways that he asks us as his children to do that. Everything that I have, anything financially, all the time that I have on this earth is given to me by God. Every, every penny in my bank has been given to me by God. And I know that. And I want to keep hold of that really badly. And God keeps asking me not to. <laughs> my mom and dad became Christians just before I was born. And um, they were sold out for God. That's Jesus movement stuff back in the 60s, 70s. Um, and they kept on buying houses. When I say buying houses, my dad was a laborer. So, uh, you know, every, every time they got a bit of equity in a the house, they just sold their house and gave their money away. So I remember moving about 13 times by the time I was 13. But that's, that's the kind of thing that Jesus does in your heart. When you go, this is not mine, none of this is mine. Now, this coming week, we are at CAP launching the results of our latest poll. Um, and, you know, that's telling us, those, the poll, is, this is embargoed, by the way, um, it tells us that half of adults, 29, 25, well, nearly 26 million people, basically, have gone without heat at some point this winter. With over, over 6 million people going without heat on a daily basis. Can you conceive that half of this nation is going without heat deliberately because of the situation that we're in? It is unbelievable. We 
know that God's got a work for us to do. We're trying to empower and support many more Susies and Lou's and Amanda's and everybody's. And I ask that you will consider supporting that work, supporting their work today. We need to increase our impact. Giving just a small amount a month would make a big difference. If you've got the means and you want to give us a one-off gift, then that would be absolutely phenomenal. Jono is going to come and sing a beautiful song that he wrote himself and has played at one of our conferences. Um, and as he does, um, I don't know whether you were given any forms on the way in. Have a look. Thank you. Um, they are life changer forms. If you would like to give a one-off gift, there is apparently a bibber at somewhere, or there is also some, uh, something going round. Is this correct? There's a bag going round. If you want a bib on the way out, there's a bag and there's a form. <laughs> uh, and also, um, please do stop. There's some, um, some things to, to read and look at. There's a, a stand with two of my beautiful members of staff there, desperate to talk to you. Please be nice. Please say hello to them, won't you? So, Jono, thank you. And, uh, yeah, God bless you all.